we're discussing It's Your Lucky Faye in depth. <laughs> Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 87. listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. And today we are discussing episode five. Yeah, episode five of season five of Lost Girl, <laughs> 5.05. It's your lucky fae. And as far as uh, as drink specials go this week, we Chris and I found something called a black cat, which I am enjoying right now. And it's actually pretty good. It involves cherry flavored brandy, vodka, Coke, and I made it with cranberry juice. I also saw a variation made with grenadine, but that sounded like it'd be a little sweet to me. So I use cranberry juice, and it's quite tasty and sufficiently alcoholic for my purposes today. I only have like half of those things, so I am drinking something else. But there is a healthy amount of gin in it. There we go. <laughs> it's your lucky fay. I last week I talked about how my opinion of of last week's episode kind of improved after as the week went on. I find this week it's the opposite. It's actually gotten a little bit worse as the week has worn on, and I've had more time to think about it. So I, I'm still at a at a. I, I don't. I didn't hate it I, the way that Annie expressed hating it. However, it's really a, a low point for me as far as the series is concerned. Wow. I know. I know. I didn't want to go there, but it, it kind of went there. I'm kind of where I was before. I think maybe, yeah, the parts that I didn't like, I maybe dislike even more. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. But but there are still points that I thought were really good, and I really liked. So I agree. It evens out a little bit, but yeah, it, overall, I'm not thrilled. How about you, Annie? Are you still vehemently hating it? Because you declared, I remember, if I remember correctly, I think you declared an episode of last season the worst episode ever. So I'm curious if it's still the worst episode ever. In terms of some of the story not working for me uh and some characters it's definitely a low for me in terms of some plot points and some storylines not being well executed which that's what i would put the low part and then uh for other storylines let's just say i haven't gotten entirely more rational about it but i did watch it again last night and i was taking notes on it trying to explain let's just say i will try to explain my reaction from earlier this week but I do have to apologize, listeners, because I re-listened to how I sounded in the our little shot episode, and I was really, really exhausted. I hadn't slept in, like, 36 hours, and uh, that's partially why I sounded so, so tired. <laughs> Watching that episode for me and kind of first digesting it, that kind of contributed to it. So we'll see how where it goes. Let's start talking about the the Cassie part of the plot because that was what we were greeted with this was our first scenes which it's unusual well sorry that wasn't the first scene Bo getting the present was the first scene but we saw cassie pretty quickly one mention about the uh present that Bo got why was it packed inside such a big box for a little jack-in-a-box is it like is it like the present where you wrap a <laughs> pair of socks inside 10 boxes i was like my god daddy you're you're oversharing with the amount of tissue paper you have you know you're not being very environmental it's for effect. Maybe that was the only box he had free. I know. And then, you know, they got to use it later for Bo to crawl into. So it, it, it all worked out. Yeah, I think probably the size was dictated by the size of Anna's silk. But I, maybe we can rationalize it to the effect that it was a very breakable jack-in-the-box. And he wanted to make oh, sure true. that it arrived intact. 
intact. In which case, why only tissue paper and not like styrofoam or uh, or or bubbles? Packing peanuts. Yeah. You make a good point. Yes. <laughs> we might be thinking about this too much. Maybe, but that's what we do here. Michael Grassi in the interview, the post show interview that he does, uh-huh. he mentioned that there's a lot of interesting Jack in the Box mythology. <laughs> Like, he's like, if you want to look that up, there's lots of interesting mythology. First of all, I didn't find that much. This is basically the extent of what I actually found. I think there were, or at least on a website that I knew what it was. <laughs> there were a lot of random websites that had stuff. But anyway, but the thing that I found on Wikipedia, that reliable resource of information. Uh-huh, which is always <laughs> correct. It said, a theory as to the origin of the Jack in the Box is that it comes from the 14th century English prelate Sir John Shorn, do we think? S-C-H-O-R-N-E. Who is often pictured holding a boot with a devil in it. According to folklore, he once cast the devil into a boot to protect the village of North Marstonen, I guess? Buckinghamshire? Mm -hmm. In French, a Jack in the Box is called a... Do you want to say this, Stephanie, since you took French? Diable en boîte. Okay, which literally means boxed devil. Mm. So, devil, Hades, hell, etc. Mm-hmm. And jack in the boxes are typically kind of creepy. And I apologize, my French pronunciation is not great. I've taken Spanish since last I took French, so they're kind of getting combined. <laughs> it's still more French than I've ever taken. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, the jack in the box opening scene was, I don't know, kind of interesting, at least gave... Bo a giant box to curl up in later in the episode. And then it moves to Bo calling Cassie. And I did like how they linked those two scenes through a phone call. I was super happy to see Cassie again. Like, I really like Vanessa Matsui in that role. But then what happens to her, I was like, yay, Cassie. And then, oh, poor Cassie. I know. I know. Well, I I love that her sarcasm, she goes... Love to hear about your journey. Yes. And it's just how <laughs> how Vanessa Matsui plays that role. And she just seems to have so much fun with that role being the sarcastic Cassie. And then uh, I liked how she got a little, you got a little bit of insight into Cassie. Going, you know, how everybody just wants to use her for readings and nothing else. And I right. felt a bit bad for her. And then seeing her be happy, you know, taking Horatio home and them sharing their little five-year plans. And then you're like, she's like, Please let the peen check out. And I'm all, what the hell's a peen? A pee? A what? <laughs> I, I had to look it up. It's all Urban Dictionary definition. I'm all, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Now I've been educated. They're not talking about a ball peen hammer. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, so that was hilarious uh, for my own education. But yeah, I, I felt so bad for her. And I'm like, no, the, the, the teaser can't end like this. Poor Cassie. And we should have known that they, since they were, you know, making us really sympathize mm-hmm. with Cassie and mm-hmm. everything, we should have known that something horrible was going to happen to her. Something's a coming. But yeah, it was great to get to see a little bit more into who Cassie was as a person. Prior to this, she's really been comic relief and served a story function to a certain extent. So it was really nice to add a little, a different level to her. And mm-hmm. and it yeah. was um, it was also nice in that opening scene to see uh, Noam Jenkins, who is a, a an actor that I think I know him, and I think Chris also knows him from from Rookie Blue. I he, I might have seen him in something else, but definitely we both seen him in Rookie Blue. And he mm-hmm. was sufficiently well, I think he's sexy, but he was sufficiently creepy. 
I thought he was creepy and charismatic and pretty handsome. So all those things. Yes. I think it's a talented yeah. guy that can do that. Oh, no, no, no. I, he was, I thought he was sexy and creepy as well. But may, many people might have yeah. just thought he was he was creepy, and that's fine. But were, were either of you, I was a little irritated with him, and I was like, Cassie, I would not find this charming. When he's like, I'm going to stop kissing you because I'm a gentleman. It's like, ah, <laughs> whatever, dude. Well, it would have been like, at least he's not going too far. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh, no, that's good with me. I would have been like, okay, get out. I need to process. I don't know. It wasn't that she made the decision. He's like, I'm making this decision for you because I want to show you how nice of a guy that I am. Like, ugh tear enough but oh, no, that's me. i liked it <laughs> do we think the thing that i was kind of confused about is that we see later on when Bo comes to cassie's apartment that there's all the blood everywhere so i'm assuming that's where she tore out her eyes like what we see yeah. is she's she's starting to see you know the the beginning and the end of everything and it drives her to the point where she tears out her eyes so i guess i'm wondering why then they took her and chained her up with the other oracles if he was able to get her eyes from her at her apartment. The only answer is that there was something other than the eyes that they were intended for. Right? Yeah, good point. My point is, someone wrote on Twitter, oh my god, did Cassie explode? Would it have been that much blood? And I'm like, that's a lot of blood. But did she use an ice cream scoop or a spoon or what? Oh, now that you mention it, yes! I was wondering about that earlier, because... It looked like they had sort of claw marks around their eyes. Yeah. But you're right, because that's what Bo picks up in Cassie's kitchen. Is she picks up an ice cream that's scoop right. that's covered in blood. Yeah. yeah. Mm, I'd forgotten about that. I only got to watch the episode once this week, so I forgive me if my little fuzzy on details. But that's a good point. She must have used a spoon or an ice cream scoop. It looked like no, a, no, it's an ice cream, it's an scoop, ice cream scoop. scoop. Okay. That she picks up. So that, that's what I saw upon second. So thank doing. you, Annie. Yeah, thank but, you. Yeah, I that is a good point. I don't know why they would still need them after that, just to torture them because they're bad guys. I don't know. Because I could see them wanting to maybe take the take them away so that they couldn't tell people what made them tear their eyes out. But at the same time, mm -hmm. why wouldn't they just kill them? I don't know. Well, but they're still oracles. But can they still see the future without their eyes? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I was curious about that. So my question is, what is that future they saw? Was it the future that? Hades will bring hell on Earth or something. That was my thought, since they seem to be all related with the elevator crash and the Artemis candle and all these zombies walking around now. So, yeah, zombies. Don't say zombies. <laughs> okay, reanimated people from the elevator crash that put on lipstick and read Trick's ledger. And go I think on they're dates. like possessed or um. Like Illyria, an angel. I don't particularly love referring to them as zombies either. I don't really think that's what they're going I for. I just used it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they no, are... No, I mean, I know what you mean, Annie. They are in the broad strokes in that they seem to be dead people who are walking around as if they are alive. But, it, it you know, they weren't like the revenants we saw last season with pieces of flesh missing and kind of a brains mentality. There's yeah, yeah, something yeah. different, I think. But in regards to what she saw... That I, that is, I think, a good thought. She has something to do with with certainly the 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 two probably the unseen third dead person undead person is going to come into play. What they're plotting, but I don't have a good answer as to what she might have seen. But I mean, the the three not dead people, <laughs> potentially possessed, not dead people, 
wasn't there – I mean, there was the, the murder that had been committed before that Dyson was looking into where they had the Triskelion thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there seemed to be ritual elements to all this stuff, like, you know, ritual cult stuff. Right. So there's significance to their killings. So maybe even them taking the three oracles and chaining them up. I mean, maybe there's some sort of ritual purpose to that, even. I mean, I don't know. Hmm. Well, it's it's three oracles, you know, three sides of the Triskelion. And then the enhanced version of the episode kept saying, these three oracles, these are their names, and this is what powers they had. So, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with the oracle's powers. And then how is, what's her name from the elevator? Elizabeth? Elizabeth. So, mm-hmm. she is reanimated or undead from the elevator and then uh, Horatio is one of the dead bodies from the case that Dyson's working on, correct? Yes. No, I thought he was one of the ones from the morgue. Yes, I'm sorry, I misunderstood what you meant. Yeah, they they established that the the three bodies went missing from the morgue when Elizabeth left. There was two others. From the elevator crash. From the elevator crash. And so he's one of the, the three that went missing. From the elevator crash. So the dead bodies that oh, Dyson yeah, yeah. is okay. working on is separate. And I did have that question last week if they're supposed to be the same things, but they're they're not. It was clear in this episode that these are two different groups of three dead bodies. Yeah, but they're still must be linked through everything. And then also to make it even more confusing, uh, Michael Grassi said in his interview that the two young girls that Mark was having his little threesome thing with that they may be linked to the bodies in the elevator. <laughs> We're like, what? Well, they definitely seem to be involved in the plot, right? Because we, yeah. we saw Horatio with the book that one of them stole from Trick's lair later in the episode. Yeah. So, so certainly they're involved in, in some manner. Well, we talked about this before, though. We think the one might be the, the young woman with the hoodie from the elevator, right? Yeah. It's possible. I... Well, they might have substituted another actor. I don't think it's the same actor, but it could be that, yeah, it's the same. It's supposed to be the same person. Same character. Yeah. Yeah. Because they will do that sometimes. Like, that obviously was not the same actor that we saw before. But we'll go with it. We'll right. go with it. <laughs> but I hadn't heard that theory. That's, that is a theory that the, the one young woman could have been the person in the hoodie. I thought you and I talked about that earlier this week. If we did, I don't recall. Yeah. I apologize. Okay. Well, what, what Michael Grassi said, he said, what's interesting is that we see a tie between Horatio and the girls who were in the doll with Mark. We're asking questions about how they are connected, and we see that they are all from the same elevator crash. So there's something brewing there. That's what Michael Grassi said. I don't think we saw that they're all from the same elevator crash, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. More, more, more confusion, so... But going back to whether Cassie still has the ability to to see the future, I kind of thought it was implied that by taking their eyes, they were perhaps taking that ability away from them. But I'm yeah. curious if anybody else has, has other theories. We got a tweet from Francisca. Re-oracles, maybe their powers are linked to them being alive. No foresight when they are dead. Hmm. That's True. a possibility. Did anybody else think of the uh, the, the mythology... The mythological story of the three blind sisters. Yes, I was just about to bring them up. In in Greek mythology, there's a, a group of three witches or old women called, well, I can't, I'm not going to be able to say the word correctly, Grey Eye, I'm guessing, also called the Grey Sisters. They were all blind and were, were toothless, and they shared one eye and one tooth among them. 
they weren't exactly the same thing that we're seeing here, but I do wonder if they, if what we, when we see the three blinded oracles, if it might be a tribute to, to those three from mythology, because they're going obviously heavy into Greek mythology this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't remember if it's them or if it's another story because, you know, there's only so much mythology you can learn and before it starts all blending together. Right. <laughs> or at least such has been my case. But there's the one where the, uh, with the, wasn't it the string? Do you know what I'm talking about? With like one measures it out and another cuts oh, the three it. Fates. And I forget what the-, the three fates. Yeah. Yes. Where okay, one measures the string, one, one spins it, one measures it, and one cuts it. Uh, there's like a child, uh, you know, mid mother crone type of thing. Mid mother crone, yeah, or in her twenties or thirties, and then there's the crone. So that I learned from Xena. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, okay. I just looked them up because the the thing that the reason that I I went to those three because they were blind, but because there are many right. many groups of three sisters in in mythology, and it doesn't look like any of of the fates were written as blind. I'm not saying you're wrong, but okay. No, it's just one of those things where your mind goes down a path. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, we have the the three fates. Well, they they were sometimes numbered at different numbers, but their number became fixed at three. We had Clotho the Spinner, Lachesis the Allotter, and Atropos the Unturnable. Yep. And they controlled the metho- me- metaphorical thread of life of every mortal from birth to death. And they, they also come from, from Greek mythology. There are a couple ideas of what they might have been referencing, but it could be something else wholly of their own invention, which is which is just fine. Well, I'm wondering what power is it, and I'm sure we'll figure more out about it with the, you know, Horatio not being quite dead. And what's his power that all he does is kiss her and suddenly Cassie tears out her eyes. I think it's something behind Horatio and the whole force that reanimated him and the big bad or the big evil that's behind this whole season. That's uh, making people do these things and making the oracles tear out their eyes. So, As well as, as getting Cassie back this episode, we also saw her cousin Seymour. Which it made me happy when at the the blind date that Horatio asked her, you know, do you have any siblings? And she says, well, I have a, I forget what she calls him, dumbass cousin, something like that. <laughs> Douchey? I don't know. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Maybe it was douchebag. I have a cousin, you know, named Seymour. That made me happy that they remembered Seymour. I didn't remember Seymour. I know, right? <laughs> I, I didn't remember him, but I liked his sparkly tie. It seemed to go along with his sleazy attitude but this is this is kind of my point right like i I was kind of happy that they remembered that she had a cousin seymour and i thought it was just going to be a nod to oh yeah because she's from this earlier episode she's from dead lucky from season one and we see that she has a cousin named seymour but i did not expect them to bring him back and while i didn't mind it i kind of was thinking where's meyer did they want to bring meyer back maybe because they do mention him they say that he was killed by the unamens which made me very sad i thought he was a great character but maybe they weren't able to bring back the actor for some reason, so they brought back Seymour instead. They were tired of you pestering them about Meyer, so they decided to off him. I know, he's dead. Stop asking us, Stephanie. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> you were not the only person to be sad that he was dead. I saw a few comments on Twitter. He was a great character. But yeah, so I'm... I'm sad he's dead, too. Uh, thank you. I'm I'm not upset they brought back Seymour, but at the same time, like, I haven't really been wondering, hey, I wonder what what happened to Seymour, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he just seemed to be filler for the plot of the week, so... Yeah. And I was kind of like, eh. yeah. It was kind of convenient that he was there, though. Yeah. <laughs> In the end. Well, so. especially yeah. to, to further my Meyer theory, the fact that this episode was all about luck, and he, mm-hmm. he, he ate luck, the you know, I... 
I thought that maybe they had set up the plot to potentially bring him back, but then it didn't work out for some reason. Yeah. I wonder if the actor's Could still be. alive. Maybe the actor died. That'd be terrible. <laughs> Stephanie. What? Sorry. <laughs> and then just laughing and speculating. Maybe he died. <laughs> well, he's older. It's possible. <laughs> I, I, I know. But we, so we, we got the appearance of Seymour and they cast him as a soul eater in order to to take care of the the kitty cat plot, which was OK, but ultimately a little anticlimactic, I thought. I know. Me, too. I thought that was a, a rather silly special effect of when he sucked it in through his nose and all. I don't remember if that's what soul sucking looked like, but the whole scene was just kind of like, eh? What so. is the way he does it, Annie? Yeah, I don't think we've seen him uh, suck I a guess. soul before. Yeah, and... uh of course, he's so easily gullible. He's like, oh, lucky cat, of course. And then that, that whole plot point is conveniently solved. Yeah. So, so but anyway, Vanessa Matsui, that she had one final scene, right, with, with Lauren in the lab, which I thought was actually a really good, pretty good scene. And I liked it. it I did have a moment, though, where I was, where Lauren's like, oh, Cassie, it's it's Dr. Lewis. And I thought, how would she know her? And then I realized, oh, yeah, they were in the attic together in Lafayette Polk. So no continuity yeah, problem there. No. But I did have a moment where I thought, when would she have met Lauren? She was dark fae. I didn't have that moment. <laughs> well, you you had a, a more I, immediate I, I was trying to remember yeah. that moment. Yeah. But I thought that was a really nice scene for her. But then Annie says, wait, somebody other than Lauren was in that scene? <laughs> I know. No, I thought they work well together. I I, I want to see more scenes. Ho- hopefully we'll see Cassie back recovering or them figuring. They still have this dangling mystery of Okay, the eyes, that's the last shot we see. So, you know, is the gang going to try and they'll break into Horatio's lair and find the eyes? Or, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I hope that Vanessa makes another appearance and that she's Me just too. not stuck in Lauren's. She's just not just stuck in Lauren's lap like poor uh, Crystal is stuck in, you know, the Saw prison. I, I agree. I would like for them to at least wrap up her storyline a little bit i i don't want her to just that to be the last that we see of cassie well she can join crystal in lauren's harem that she has back at her dark apartment (laughs) god (laughs) i i said i like it i like those scenes when you know you see that very doctorly side of lauren taking care of her patients i didn't mean to imply that she's going into lauren's harem (laughs) i know that the only thing in lauren's harem i was making a joke Lauren's harem is full of multiple copies of Bo, a la Orphan Black, and that she's just been cloned, and you have a bow from a bow in leather, a bow in a naked bow, and then there's a bow that's wearing softer uh, shirt that she wore at the end of episode 502, and then you have the bow in the evening dress with the little bolo things hanging off the end. Stop it. That's Lauren's. Stop it. That's Lauren's harem in my mind. They do not anyway, look like the ends of bolo on. ties, you two. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> no, they do not. Ugh. But I think okay. Annie just started a new fanfic. <laughs> she did? Oh, God. Oh, I guess no. she did, yeah. Honestly, I, I kind of, like, blanked out a little bit because <laughs> I was I was looking up a, a, mytho- a mythology thing. It was the bolo ties that caught my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to mythology potentially being referenced by this storyline, Cassie, of course, when she immediately appeared, I thought, oh, it's a reference to Cassandra, who is an oracle, I believe at Delphi, in Mm -hmm. Greek mythology. I think so. But there's also, from Greek mythology, Tiresias, who was the blind prophet of Apollo in Thebes, and he was famous for clairvoyance, as well as being transformed into a woman for seven years. That could also be something that they are referencing mythology-wise. 
We we met Noam Jenkins, who he's going to be back subsequently yeah. because we've had Elizabeth come back. So now we have these two undead people running around doing stuff. And oh, I guess we did see. I just just occurred to me. We did see last time we saw Elizabeth at the end of when God opens a window. She had done something to the eye of, I guess, Elizabeth's husband. It was all sparkling and stuff. There were like little bits of electric mm-hmm. current is what it was supposed to look like. Like tiny exactly. little lightning bolts. So we seem to have a recurring thing about eyes so far amongst these undead people. I don't know if that was something about I I just thought that was like a, re- a residual electricity because she just zapped him or something. I don't know. That was but, my Well, yeah, but opinion. the fact that they specifically showed the little residual electricity over the eyes is, oh, okay. is all Stephanie's getting at. And wasn't his eye wounded? Am I misremembering? I don't, I don't know. remember. Maybe. I thought he looked like he was maybe missing an eye over which the little, you know, electrical charges were were flaring. I don't remember. So I thought, even though I didn't care for this episode, I thought we got some really interesting development on the overarching season-long plots. I will say that. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I mean, it just adds to the mystery, and we're like, we want to know what's going on. Because I feel like last season, we got people got frustrated with the overarching plot because it seemed like there was a lot of suggestion, but not a lot of payoff. And I feel like even though they're stretching out a longer season arc this season, we're getting much more payoff as it goes, rather than just, what's happening? What's happening? It's so mysterious. Whatever's going on, you don't know what's going to happen with the Wanderer. So I like that we're getting more immediate payoff this season, but they're still generating a lot of questions. I think a lot of the good part of what they're doing this season is that we're actually seeing stuff with the... I'm going to go ahead and call them bad guys because they're killing people. <laughs> We're seeing stuff <laughs> with the bad guys as opposed to just seeing our hero's perspective of what's going on. So we're maybe a little bit more in the know of what's actually going on. So right. I think that was part of the frustration with last season. Yes, is exactly. We ended up as frustrated as Bo and our heroes were <laughs> because yeah. like nobody had any clue what was actually going on. It was just a lot of like, what is happening without yeah. any follow-through, really, or or enough follow-through, I should say. Well, I don't know if there's a lot of follow-through. I think there's a lot of mystery so far and a lot of questions being answered. I don't know if they're all being answered. I think I think the, the whole overarching plot is building better than it was last season. That's I will put mostly it that what way. I mean. It doesn't mean that we ha- have all the answers yet and that I'm not a little frustrated, but I'm not as frustrated as I was last season. And that's what I mean. It's just we're seeing more of what is going on that our characters aren't seeing. And last season, we weren't really getting that. We were just getting our characters' perspective. So I think it led. that's what was leading a lot of audience members to feel just really frustrated. Chris and I, I think, had a little more patience for it than most people did. But Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> but this season, I, I do like that it seemed like maybe they learned from that. And they're giving us more up front than they did last time. There was all this mystery last season of, you know what's Rainer's deal, but we never saw Rainer without Bo, basically. So Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Aside from like one shot where he was welding welding or something. <laughs> Ooh. He's trying out for a production of Flash Dance. I know exactly. everything now. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, side note, the actor who played Meyer is still alive and well, according to Wikipedia. I know, I checked that so. too. So good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It got me worried. I was like, I hope he's still alive. I like him. I know. (laughs) There was actually quite a bit of stuff that was, you know, bound up in this main plot line. We had tangentially going on. We had the whole Bo is turning into a cat storyline, which what how did y'all feel about that storyline? I'll let y'all go first. What did you think, Chris? (laughs) 
I thought it was silly but fun. The same. I thought it was silly. Went in with the case of the week okay. I mean, it was, wasn't was really related, but, you know, some of the humor was good. Some of the effects I didn't like because I'm like, uh, you could do a little bit better. I didn't think uh, they were that bad, wasp. Annie, personally. They were okay, but... Yeah, but I, I thought Anna Silk did a great job when she's, like, scratching herself and everything and her mannerisms as a cat. As we know, she has three cats, so she's got a lot to study from. Batting around the salt shaker. And the stress panting. So <laughs> I thought that was that was cute. But, yeah, I, I did get a little freaked out seeing a taxidermy cat the whole episode. Uh, I, I would not pet that thing. So. <laughs> I kind of don't think it was a real taxidermied cat, but... I really hope it wasn't. I think it was a fake taxidermied cat. Thank you, Lost Girl Props people. Yeah, do not traumatize us cat lovers. Real taxidermy cats look much realer than that cat looks. I was going to say, it looked kind of lumpy. Yeah. Oh, Its face looked a little too artificial. Well, for me personally, I I have a general opinion of the episode with a caveat. Or not the episode, of the storyline with a caveat. I thought it was super dumb. Like, I was watching along and I'm like, this is the dumbest dumb to ever dumb. Oh my god. But I will say, I thought that Anna Silk did a really good job with the storyline and generated genuine laughs from me several times. So, yes. which is why they did it, even though it was kind of dumb. Dumb. And it's like, what, again, what sci fi fantasy show hasn't done this kind of plot? It's very much one of their, for lack of a better word, kind of cheaper plots. Like, oh, what, who hasn't done this? Of course we'll do that. Somebody turning into an animal or whatever. Somebody turning into a chicken, which did happen on Hercules. All of Annie's like really random seeming asides are like, which did happen on Xena. There or was Hercules a giant or- chicken. It was like it was like a twenty foot fall, twenty foot like chicken attacking people, and it was one of the worst episodes ever, which I don't think I've ever fully watched. Of course, so- of course that happened. Because I do want to give, I want to give some credit to the writers. Clearly, they were trying to add an element of fun and silliness with this plot line, which I do appreciate on Lost Girl. I like that they try to, well, I shouldn't say that. I like yeah. that they generally are a bit lighter than the really dark and dour sci-fi shows. Mm-hmm. But this one just did not work for me. I thought it was too puerile. I was just like, oh, this is so dumb. But again, yeah. Anna Silk did such a good job with it. And and we were talking about this off, off microphone that... I think why it worked was she just kind of committed to it. She didn't do it with like this wink and a and a smile. She just was and a nod. Exactly. Yeah. It was she just did it, and she just thought, well, how would this look? And just did it, and it really worked. I thought. But such is the brilliance of Anna Silk, right? I mean, I feel that <laughs> way about basically everything that Anna does, right? She just kind of goes for it, whatever it is. Yeah. She's she's all in, and yeah. I yeah. I appreciate her for it. <laughs> And and even the way that Rachel and Zoe interacted with this stuffed animal on a board that they had to carry around the whole episode, you know, when they're buying the cat and Lauren just grimaces at it as as, uh, Tamsin goes to buy it. And then she's like, later, are you going to let her talk to you like that? You know, that they just have to fully commit as actors. And it's just that made it funny. I, I did like that bit. Driving around with it and the beast and, you know, <laughs> in the fourth around seat. Is, Yes. Yeah, in the four C, and and I love how the camera zo- is you know tight on the cat, and it zooms out to show all of them because the cat is the most important thing right now in this shot, and that just cracked me up. Though for a while, Lauren was like hugging it. it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And then she's giving it this look of disdain. And it's just Zoe and the cat in that scene when she's baking the cake. And you're like, okay, you got to act opposite stuffed animal. Okay. You know, and it worked in that sense. It's better than acting opposite a tape mark on the wall. Tennis ball. I would assume. (laughs) Although I have to say, of course, uh, it was a big part of how the whole cat plot started. Worst birthday presents ever. Why is Trick giving... Why is Trick giving Bo the finger, literally, and will this have significance later? I hope so, although I don't know. And then everybody's, like, giving the finger left and right in this episode. And 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 who reads with a finger when we see Horatio later? He's look, reading the ledger like this. And I was so distracted by that scene. I'm like, who uses their middle finger? Really? Have you never done pointer? that? No, I do it with my index finger. I have friends who, read, who use their middle finger as a pointer when they read. Yeah, I had a teacher who did that all the time, and the class kept giggling. <laughs> yeah. Because it's your longest finger. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, the salt, who uses their... I use my index finger. Not, but anyway, but yes, the middle <laughs> finger joke was, was a little... It, it was a little overdone, so... I was just about to say that we have, and, and as well as the bow turning into a cat, part of this plot line is that Lauren gets, you know, cursed with bad luck. And it all starts because Tamsin and, and Lauren go to buy Bo last minute birthday presents. First of all, I kind of don't believe, I shouldn't say that, I don't believe, not kind of, I don't believe that Lauren would forget Bo's birthday. I do not believe that Lauren or Dyson would forget Bo's birthday. Tamsin, yes. Tamsin even admits it. She's like, it's me. What do you yes, expect? It's me. But I really couldn't buy that Lauren forgot Bo's birthday. Plus, Timson's newest, so would have yes, more excuse that's anyway. That's you. Especially since Kenzie's gone, I really can't believe that Dyson and Lauren would forget Bo's birthday. I know, right? Like, maybe if this had happened at the same time that the three bodies had come into the morgue, and, and they were investigating the three other murders that followed it directly, like, maybe if it was during that episode, I could buy it. But yeah, at this point... I don't know. I can't buy it during any episode because, you know, they've remembered her birthday before and that was the whole plot of the of the episode in, in season two. Throwing Girlfriend her birthday comes party. out of a coma. Lauren shows up both birthday. Like, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying there would be and, more and, and of an excuse. She got cool, yeah, no, she got I agree. Cool, I agree, Chris. Uh, presents that year. She got weapons and stuff she could use and then she got the sword from... That trick gave her, and that was crucial later and that was useful. in the season. Useful trick, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not a finger, and which then, might be useful at some point, but because trick is so obviously. secretive, he hasn't yeah. told her why yet. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's, but it's like I don't get Lauren forgetting Bo's birthday. I think that's out of character because you know, especially after she gives her the freedom to love necklace and all of this. How could you forget her birthday? No, no, no. I agree. I I I thought it was out of character, and I didn't buy it. Meanwhile, every time Annie says freedom to love necklace, what I hear is naked ladies on an axe. Yeah, that's what I hear too. Yep. <laughs> or two vajayjays. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I, I know, I know. It's I just know. the one. It's just the one. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Two sides. I get it. I get it now. Okay, there okay. you go. <laughs> picturing it. Okay. Oh, dear. It's a Labrys. By the way, does anybody. Ha- Labia. Just By the way, saying. for that scene when they're when they're uh, when they're buying the uh, present, does any um, Canadian listeners happen to know what neighborhood in Toronto or what street that is? I was just curious. I'm like, oh, I wonder where this is. I'll go seek it out. See if I could buy my own ceramic frog, which was the worst gift ever. 
I mean, again, I know it's part of the plot, but I'm like, what the hell is that? Ceramic corn or something? I was like, I could not figure out what that was until someone tweeted me. And I'm all, oh, thank you. Because I had no idea what that was. It's a frog. It was so ugly. <laughs> I, yep. couldn't, I didn't even get it. I didn't get a good look at it. I'm really glad it broke. Because it was I, ugly. I didn't think it was that ugly. I was actually at a a touristy gift shop recently that had a whole series of things that looked like that. I didn't think it was that ugly. But at the same time, I guess Lauren felt like she had to buy something from the same store Tamsin wanted to buy the cat. But I just thought, those are terrible emergency presents. I could have done better than that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, get her, get her, you know, some KY jelly or something. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. Something sexy. Some lingerie. Some more leather. Now we know what to get Annie for her next birthday, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, dear. Brian says, I was disappointed Kenzie did not write Bo a letter on her birthday or even call her. Maybe she did and we just didn't hear about it. Well, and it's here's true. here's kind of what I'm getting at is I feel like the whole birthday vehicle eh, was a little weak I to introduce yeah. like the the both the cat plot as well as Bo and Tamsin ultimately sleeping together. I just didn't know that the birthday angle was necessary. I think they could have maybe figured something else out. I was just gonna say, and they didn't really pay it off. No, they didn't. It wasn't yeah. paid off. So I wish they hadn't gone the it's both birthday route with this episode. Because at least when they did it in the second season, they had the big party at the end and Bo had conversations with everybody. And Yeah. It felt like there was a conclusion to it. <laughs> there was. Yeah. And they used that to sort of open up Bo feeling kind of isolated from her friends and they introduced Ryan. There was a big payoff to the whole it's Bo's birthday storyline. And it wasn't it wasn't there in this episode. Right. That's fair. I will say, though, <laughs> Zoe cracks me up. Lauren cracks me up when her her frog, like, drops to the floor and bla- breaks and she's scrambling. She's like, I got you the cat, too. That <laughs> The way that, that she said that line, me. it cracks me up. The cat brings Bo good luck, gives Bo- Lauren bad luck, and, and I didn't particularly care for the, the slapstick humor so much. I think Zoe did a good job. She made me laugh when she fell into the beast, into the backseat of the beast. But <laughs> in general, the slapsticky stuff, I, I, again, it fell into the this is dumb, this is so dumb category for me. Well, yeah, most, some of it was funny. The, yeah, the cake was obvious, and I, I loved her falling into the, into the beast. And the cake was just so telegraphed. I thought, you know, there's a fight going on behind her. And she's going to open this box of cake. cake. I know what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure Trick is the one yeah. who opened the box. Well, to be either fair. way, I, I was just like, e- even if she didn't plant her face in it, I knew something bad was going to happen to the cake. And right. I just thought it was yeah. it was a little telegraphed. The thing where, though, she's like, well, I'll just be here baking a cake by myself. The important stuff and the balloons popping and, you know, all of that. I was just like, eh, yeah, you could do a little better. In terms of delivering the humor. But I think p- people were a little annoyed saying, well, they were just annoyed at having Lauren be relegated to slapstick humor. Jumping back for a second, Cindy says, Zoe is hilarious, just seems so out of character for cool and confident Lauren. It felt like she was more of a buffoon. And I get yeah, your point, but at the same time, said. we did see in, what was it, season three, remember Lauren had made breakfast and was bringing it upstairs to to Bo and like there was the disastrous tray fumble right and breakfast ended up all over the floor so it's not unprecedented is my point well Lauren being clumsy is different from her being the butt of all the silly bad luck jokes this episode I think it was just kind of a conscious shift in the type of humor they used to 
you know, have Lauren express in this episode from a writing point of view. So I think that's why some people said that. Clearly, it was the the frame for the story was that this cat was making things go wrong for her. So we're not going to see the say the way that Lauren would react under normal circumstances because it, she could have maybe pulled herself together and reacted differently, but the bad luck surrounding her was making that not possible. I, I, I get Cindy's point and I take Cindy's point totally. I think they tried to compensate for that with the setup for the storyline, but but I agree. It it did seem a bit weird to see Lauren so frazzled. I do kind of wonder though, because we know that the writers apparently asked the actors if there was anything they wanted in their final season. I kind of wonder if maybe Zoe was like, I'd love to do some more comedy. <laughs> and so this is part of, or a lot of, like, an excuse they came up with to make that happen. Hmm. That's a that's a possibility. I will say I got really excited when we saw all three of our, our remaining leading ladies jump into a car together to, to drive off to find Cassie. I wish that we'd gotten a little more payoff on that. I was kind of like, yay, I'm really excited to see these three people take on a case together. But it didn't last for very long, which I understand. But at the same time, I, I wish we'd gotten a bit more of them tackling the case. Right. And the conversation that follows that is Tamsin sniping at Lauren a little. So Yes, exactly. It's exactly. like, it's like I, yay, the team ladies. And then immediately undone. And the bow goes off and yeah. that's two of them left. Yeah. So yeah, that's where it's going to go. No, and I understand that completely. Because here's my thing. I don't understand where this animosity between Tams and Lauren really came from in this episode because we saw them have such a nice moment together a couple of episodes ago. If that, mm -hmm. If we hadn't seen that, I would understand it better. And I kind of got it last week because... As somebody pointed out in the comments, we had more of a direct Tamsin and Lauren kind of taking little digs at each other. But here, it just kind of popped up out of nowhere. They start out looking for a birthday present together, and then it just ends with Tamsin being kind of mean to Lauren for, without, in my I opinion, a whole lot of provocation. So I didn't really understand that. Well, my answer is that it's Tamsin. You know, she's known been known to do that before. That's her. That's how she processes things, and... You think she's still learning to play know. nice with the other kids? Yeah, yeah. And that's how it comes out. You know, she's abrupt and aloof and, you know, she isn't always in touch with the softer side of herself. So, I, I, I take Annie's point that this is something that we've seen in Tamsin before, but I, I guess it's just me personally hoping that the fact that Lauren reached out and was kind to her would actually mean something in regards to their relationship. And I also just felt like when she flips her off, like how many fingers am I holding up? Why did she do that? I didn't really understand why she did that. I, it didn't because seem like a logical following from what we see Lauren say to her. I don't know. What did you think, Chris? I thought it was just Tamsin being kind of immature and just being goofy. Fair enough. Yeah, me too. I mean, because she kind of rolls her eyes when Lauren gets in the car. She's like, oh, okay, I guess she's coming. Because it seems like, in my opinion, that Tamsin would have loved to have gone off with Bo herself. And uh, she just, you know, does that because that's her Tamsin-esque kind of reaction. You know, she's like a little kid sometimes. And then that kind of leads into the conversation they had when they were walking through the forest or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know why it, it seems to kind of switch from the moment they had in 503 to where they are. They're kind of adversarial, taking digs at each other in this episode. Uh, I would blame it on some people have been commenting that 
the characters seem to be switching personalities each episode and being inconsistent with some of the writing. I wouldn't go that far, but I, I do feel like in some cases there's not enough justification for certain actions. Does that make sense? Yeah. But especially, just especially since it started with them kind of being buddy-buddy in the whole, oh, we need to go find mm-hmm. a present for Lauren together, or excuse me, a present for Bo together. It just seemed kind of odd that that's where they ended up, was Tamsin being really confrontational with Lauren about, you know, you think you're the only horse in the race, but I'm here. Like, okay. <laughs> and I guess maybe we're just supposed to assume that that's Tamsin's, not insecurities, but... Did you read the interview with Michael Grassi? So I did not. Okay, because he talks about some of that stuff and some of the other things we've been talking about. This I was going to read parts of it later, but... Basically, he says that Tamsin's more insecure about her standing with Bo than Lauren is, which is why Tamsin is pushing against Lauren, but Lauren's not really doing anything about it. And I can buy that. I just wish, I guess, there was a little more provocation for Tamsin's behavior in this episode. It feels a little unjustified. Yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at. Or a lot. So I guess we're moving into the piece of the episode that ta- that Annie's going to sigh the most in. Swear the most in. <laughs> that too. So the whole birthday plot, cat plot, it leads to Tamsin and Bo finally sleeping together. I personally, I thought those two scenes, the like the, the gift wrap boobs scene, as well as the subsequent scene, I thought they were actually pretty good scenes. But at the same time, it felt a little anticlimactic to me. And it could possibly be the fact that we didn't get an actual sex scene, which I'm not trying to criticize the show for. I, I You know, actors have certain things that they want to do, whatever. I'm not trying to say that they did something wrong. But I think that's partially why it felt a little anticlimactic to me. So what did what did you think, Chris? No, I agree with you, because I think in the context of this series especially, right, because we've gotten the big build-up to a love scene, you know, several times over the course of the series. Yeah, the fact that we kind of didn't really get one. (laughs) There's the kind of sexy ribbon uh, wrapping around the hand to draw Tamsin in. Which was sexy. I thought that was a lovely moment. um, That's what I just said. But yeah, the the pulling on the ribbon and the kissing, and then the sort of kissing as they fall out of frame. It was beautifully shot. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. It was very nice. But because it then did like a crossfade into afterwards, (laughs) I guess just, again, in the context of the various love scenes or sex scenes on the series, it's different is what I'm saying in terms of... In terms of sleeping with people that she's actually had relationships with. Before, when we'd have a scene that was structured this way, it would be like a passing character. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't be somebody who's recurring or regular. It was somebody that there would be a larger relationship with. Right. And they'd have, like, the full-blown sex, sex scene. Yeah. So, it's different in that sense. And again, I'm like you, Stephanie. I'm not criticizing this choice. I'm just saying that this does feel different to me and this is why (laughs) yeah and i think it's really like you said in the context of this particular show if it'd been in another show where Mm -hmm. this is the norm it's like that's how they imply sexy times is is passionate kissing cut and then afterward it it wouldn't feel weird but given that you know with with bo but that does not 
happen exactly. on the show. <laughs> exactly. We've had more intense sex scenes with, with characters that are only there for short periods of time. So yeah, it just felt different in that regard. And I, and I it also felt maybe a little anticlimactic to me because I, I expected there to be a bit more of an emotional component there, I guess. And don't get me wrong, the, the subsequent scene was, was very intimate between the two of them. But since Tamsin's been harboring this big crush on Bo for so long, I guess I was expecting them to address, address that more directly when they finally slept together. Like beforehand? Yes. Yeah. And and I'm, yeah. I'm thinking they're maybe leading to it instead. Hmm. Could be. Could be. Please don't. Why? Sadder. <laughs> Why would it make you sadder I'll to explain. have Tamsin... Okay. Okay. It was so funny that you guys pointed out to me earlier, well, at least they didn't show the sex scene. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't realize didn't that. didn't say it like I that. Was- <laughs> We weren't happy that they didn't show the sex scene. <laughs> we were saying well, in your, some from people your on Twitter pointed that out to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Comfort yourself. I, yes, I, I was. <laughs> we weren't like, "Yay, no sex scene." This was. I just want to make that clear to people listening. Chris and I weren't like cheering over in the corner. <laughs> I would. We were just reminding Annie just that she saying. could. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. A- afterwards, I might have been, but it's still. But I mean, in terms of that, there not being any actual sex scene shown it could have been you know some people speculate it could have been actor decisions or whatever you know but it is different in terms i agree with you guys it is different in terms of what this show has shown us before but they were still as much to my irritation as kind of going i'm like oh damn these scenes are so well acted and i really like that song playing in the background which uh that was called close by slow skies it was a nice song i'm all why do these have to be so well done i'm happy it was well done (laughs) most of me is screaming at uh literally screaming at my screen and the other tiny part of me is going well they're well done scenes okay which kind of addresses what cindy said she said do you think the fact the Bo tamsin sex scene wasn't shown like the ones with dyson and lauren is on purpose means something i don't know people have ask that and i i just don't know if we'll ever know yeah it's mm-hmm. here's the thing we we know anna silk will do sex scenes obviously but <laughs> really? really but we haven't seen rachel scarson do a sex scene so it could just be actor choice she doesn't want to do them like kenzie never had a sex scene maybe because ksenia solo didn't want to do them i don't know i can only speculate so it could just be actor choice but it might also be a creative choice. And somebody pointed out that we haven't yet really had a full-on sex scene this season. The closest that we got was in Like Hell Point Part 2. Not Point 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Hell Part 2. <laughs> between Bo and Persephone intercut with, with Lauren. And we had... But it, it, that, that still wasn't like a full-on sex scene. Because if you look at, at Bo and Persephone, we barely saw any clothes coming off. It, they've gone way more explicit on the show than that. So it could be a, a creative choice, for sure, that they have yet to show a a full-on sex scene this season. Yeah, yeah. it was like between that and the noises in... <laughs> Right, was big that, in Japan. Uh, episode three, mm-hmm. big in Japan. Yeah, uh, and then Cindy just said the Bo and Tamsin hookup was inevitable. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Doesn't mean I liked it. <laughs> I mentioned in the last episode that that I did find the fact that Tamsin clearly wanted Bo, loved Bo, wasn't saying anything interesting, and I want to see where they go go with that. 
I should have also added, they shouldn't take too long. And they didn't. They immediately addressed it this episode. So I will applaud them for that. Because I thought that they were building some good tension over these past few episodes. Because we see in Big in Japan, we see we see Bo and Tamsin like asleep in bed together, but they make it very clear that they did not have sex. We see in When God Opens a Window, 504, we see them kissing in bed together. And then here in this episode, we finally, we see them sleeping together. They've been warning us, essentially, because like... Oh, yeah, you know, I know. Episode 503 might happen. Episode 504 might happen. Episode 505, it happened. <laughs> so I did feel like they really they took the audience's hand and they and they led them to what was going to happen. I will say, though, I do understand. I know we're going to get to Annie ranting here in a minute, I'm sure. And I'll, I'll here, I'll lead you into your rant, Annie. I understand nice. people feeling upset about this, people who, who really want Lauren, Bo and Lauren to end up together because... And I agree. It really felt at the end of season four that they were leading to Bo and Lauren being, you know, working toward getting back together in season five. And so while they did make it clear several episodes ago that Bo and Lauren weren't together, I can understand people being upset that they felt like they were it was really strongly suggested that the show was going this direction and then it went this direction. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, that stupid car sound effect that I made a couple Uh, episodes ago. That one? Er yeah, it, it went like that and it crashed and burned. I can't do that sound effect. I, I think... Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the biggest problem, again, and this is between a lot of characters, between Bo and Tamsin and Bo and Lauren and Bo and Dyson, it's it's the lack of communication. And I know this is not supposed to be a talkie show where they sit down and have 20-minute scenes, but we needed something. And... You know, Michael Grassi, he said in his interview, you know, quote, I think the thing with Lauren is after Bo lost Kenzie, Lauren took a stance and saw how hurt Bo was by that and said, I think Bo, what Bo needs right now is a friend. I think Lauren is a confident person and I don't think she feels she needs to fight for Bo. Tamsin sort of sees Lauren as her competition right now, but we all know how special what Lauren and Bo have is. And the reason she's not bringing it up is she feels threatened by Lauren. But Lauren is not as threatened by Tamsin, hence why she's not being as aggressive. We're sort of seeing Tamsin fall for Bo and telling Lauren that it's not just about her. We'll see how that goes for everybody. Unquote. So, oh, you were you were quoting somebody. Okay, sorry. Yeah, all that was Michael Grassi. Okay, so, sorry, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's great and all, but I think the thing that frustrated me and so many other fans is that Lauren never had that conversation with Bo. You know, they've only been together alone once in the whole season so far. And twice. I just needed one... Okay, twice. What was the other one? There was the scene in Like Hell Part 1 where they were in Lauren's office. Yeah. And then there was a scene in Like Hell Part 2 where they, when they were in the wine room area. Oh, then there's another one because Net Kisses. Oh, yes. Oh, net net kisses, kisses in 503. So three times. Net Kisses. Okay. How come I'm the one who remembers the Net Kisses? <laughs> oh, thank you. I know. I can't believe I that. Know. Right now I'm too upset to remember the neck kisses because it didn't go anywhere. But because at the end of 502, was it, when Lauren and, when Lauren, when Dyson and Tamsin said, oh, friends, okay, friends, and they at least solidified that, okay, if we'd had a conversation like that between Bo and Lauren, where Lauren said, I see you're really hurting, I'm just going to pull away for now, that's what you need, something like that, then it would have been more defined as to where Lauren and Bo were, but instead, they're still obviously feeling something and making googly eyes at each other and not doing anything. And then 
you know, Tamsin has her feelings for Bo, but it's it just nobody ever said anything, and that was really frustrating because without that, we just had no clarification. <sighs> Maybe Lauren's just being all noble and by not making her intentions known. She doesn't want to get in the way, but to me, it, that just didn't work. Well, so oh, you mean about the wanting to be friends? Those intentions or yeah. resigning herself to being yeah. friends? Okay. Yeah, she never told Bo that, and then they just suddenly refer to each other as that. And we're like, where did that, you know, there there was something that happened, it seemed, in between episodes that never made that connection, and that's really frustrating for when fans to fill in. When did Bo refer to Lauren as her friend? Not her friend, she referred to her as her ex. But, but she's been her ex since, like, the end of season three. Yeah, I guess. Because she referred to her as her ex in uh, Turn to Stone. She's like, I'm in my ex's apartment yeah. looking for stuff. Great. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just me having headcanon that they weren't exes, or they would have gone in a different direction at the end of season four, and they didn't. Well, because it seemed like they were. Yeah, it and did. Yeah, it I does. think they did need more follow-up on that. Yeah, just... there was no follow-up. That's what I'm saying. Because there was nothing in 501 and 502 to contradict where we thought things were going at the end of season four. Yeah. I think is the big issue for me. Yeah, I agree. Because it still seemed like they were maybe kind of together then, mm -hmm. just from their interactions. But then, yeah, in 503, it's like, oh, I guess that is not what happened. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. nothing to confirm or deny in 501 or 502, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, I agree. And and I, yeah, like I said, I understand people being upset because I, I do think they really dropped the ball as to what happened between the two of them and Dark Horse. They did not follow through on that. But I will give them credit for the fact that they did at the same time in season five really lead to this happening between Bo and Tamsin. I just wish that they hadn't yes. took it, taken such a hard right turn to make that clear. They, they, it should have been a bit more obvious. Of course, yeah. we don't know where this is going either, to be fair. You know, I think it could lead to Tamsin and Bo having more of a, you know, you were commenting, Stephanie, they're not having more of a conversation about. Tamsin making her feelings more clear. Well, it still could come up. So, and I think this is what, you know, fans who are rooting for Lauren and Bo and Docubus fans are looking at that frustrates them. It's, you know, I know there's still 11 episodes left. I know production is done, so it's not like we can influence anything and that we should take the show and enjoy the bits that we do. I just had a hard time with it this week. It's, it's just because of where Bo is going in our relationship with Tamsin versus where it's going with Lauren. You know, if you're going to be a fan of Lauren and Bo, I think it's going to take that much longer for understanding between them or, you know, for them to come to a romantic relationship because of where Bo is and her relation with Tamsin versus Lauren. That's why people were frustrated. You know, people who emotionally engage in a couple, it's because it has a real influence on their lives. You can say, well, it's just a TV show. But, you know, when I hear stories of people who came out because of Docubus or whatnot, you know, that really, you know, always makes me feel feels. And, um, you know, Docubus is literally a part of me, like literally with my tattoo. But there's a reason why people were upset. So it's it's hard to explain because it is emotional. It just takes us a while to process the rational. Again, because Lauren and Bo are, they're not really working to come closer together as a couple. And then Bo and Tamsin seem to have this emotional connection and understanding as friends and potentially more. I think that's why people who like Docubus are upset. We did get an email from from a listener named Jenny who was asking Annie, actually directly, is is why 
Tamsin and Bo's hookup was such a threat to to Bo and Lauren's relationship to her. And and she prefaced it like, I'm not a shipper. I'm not trying to be critical of you. This is just an honest question. And she ended by saying, you know, I'd love to hear an honest rationale, not emotional rationale for it. And I think Annie's getting to getting at it's it's not really rational. It is emotional. You know, these couples, these pairings, they affect people on emotional level in different ways, whether it's Bo and Dyson, Bo and Tamsin, Bo and Lauren, Kenzie and Hale, you know, these different couples, they affect people on an emotional level. And so, you know, when the writers make a choice that that does not, you know, fit with the vision of these particular people who ship this couple. It, it's, you know, it can it can cause a, a, a hurt reaction, and it it isn't always rational. It's it's mostly just emotional because the couple affects them on an emotional level. It is. It's it's a knee jerk gut reaction, and I'm not saying that's bad. No, that's just it's the reality of it. I think right. And my gray bell says, for that reason, they are leaving ambiguous because they do not actually want to solidify friends between Bo and Lauren. Friends is in quotes. They don't want to solidify their relationship as friends. So they're leaving it ambiguous is what my gray cell saying. Well, going back to what we actually saw between Bo and Tamsin in this episode, probably some of my favorite, well, definitely my favorite scene of the episode was the two of them talking in bed together. And it really hit home for me what we've been missing in regards to having Kenzie on the show. That seems like, oh, we maybe would have heard this earlier if if Bo had had Kenzie, but this is kind of an effect of Bo not having Kenzie. I don't I know think if that's it fair. felt that way. I just thought, well, Bo, this is the person that Bo was making the closest emotional connection to at this time. So, you know, I did think it was kind of neat how Tamsin related to Bo in that sense of telling how Freya used to control her. And Bo said, oh, you got empowered. And Tamsin said, well, I got angry. I think it worked really well as a vehicle to learn a little bit more about Tamsin, too. Like, I, I liked hearing her yeah, relate mm-hmm. that story about Freya. Right. I was kind of wondering, though, did Bo know beforehand? Because Tamsin said, well, at Hades, he's the one who hired me. And I'm like, didn't you think Bo would get a little upset about that? But knowing that Tamsin isn't hunting her, I guess, right now, I guess that's forgiven. Well, but they'd established that. Bo already knew that she'd been hired to find her. Yeah, but that it was, but that she made the connection. Finally, we know specifically it was her father. Well, I think since you know Bo knew that she had been hired to find her, and she had time to sort to deal with that and forgive Tamsin for that, and so I don't know that learning that Tamsin realized, oh, it wasn't the Wanderer like I thought it was. It was your father. I I don't know that that really made a big difference to Bo because Tamsin didn't know, you know. Right, and the way Tamsin phrased it last season was, "Your father hired me." It's just that she was mistaken about who her father was. That's a good point. Yes. Yeah. She just had the wrong name attached to who Bo's father was, not that it was her, wasn't her father. Well, again, the thing that I worry about is when Michael Grassi says, there's a real connection there between Bo and Tamsin. And that's going well, to unfold is. in the next couple of episodes. There, There is, again. You know, that's why our docubus ship is going for the moment. But I think it's so good that Bo has somebody she feels like she can talk to. It is good. I just wish it was Lauren. But that's just me. You know, I miss them talking, even as friends, you know, because they just don't have a lot of scenes together anymore. I will say that I did miss ha- seeing Bo interact more with our original characters this episode. She didn't have a scene with Dyson. She didn't have a, I don't think she had a scene with Trick, did she? Mm, oh, yeah, she bit, did the fingers, was... the fingers, but not like a significant yeah. scene with, with Trick. And, you know, she had scenes with Lauren, but, you know, none one-on-one or anything like that. I, I So I did sort of have a 
I had a moment where I thought, oh, I kind of miss seeing her interact a little more in depth with these other characters. But hopefully we'll get that in, in future episodes. Well, she did have that little scene where Chuck asked her what's wrong. And, you know, it's not like you to worry. And I thought that was like just a little nice moment between them. Right. But we want more. We want more. <laughs> yes, we want, we want more. We want more. So greedy. But and I and I feel like I, I, what I was trying to say earlier about the the Kenzie mention in regards to that conversation with with Bo and Tamsin is that like I like seeing that Bo found somebody she can talk to, and I know it bothers Annie that mm-hmm. it's Tamsin and not Lauren, but I I like seeing that Bo found somebody she could talk to with the openness that she could talk to Kenzie, because I think. When we had Kenzie taken away at the beginning of this season, Bo hasn't found somebody to have those types of conversations with until this point. And I was glad to see Bo get get that type of relationship back so she could have that type of talk. Right. And I think we talked about this a little bit before, but and it's one of those things I think, you know, where Bo could get sympathy from Kenzie, she can maybe get some empathy from Tamsin. Yes. Since Tamsin has had a more similar experience yes. in some ways, just because the Faye thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and just like this past that they regret. And as we mm-hmm. see from, from the encounter in this episode, they really found something that they could share in their past that, you know, what Tamsin said really helped Bo. And it's not that Kenzie couldn't do that, but I agree. It feels like Tamsin and Bo perhaps have more similar experiences that Tamsin can really empathize with Bo in a way that Kenzie, as much as she would want to could only sympathize if that makes sense yeah kenzie's awesome i love kenzie i'm not saying anything bad about kenzie (laughs) but it's just a different thing right it's a different type of relationship i mean and and i guess this is part of the the way i'm looking at everything too is that we as human beings have a number of relationships with a number of people and they're all different And they have their own strengths and weaknesses. And there are things I talk about to you that I don't talk about to, you know, my other friends, you know, because we have shared experiences that they do not. And, you know, I know, I know what you guys mean. I think the thing that makes it hard for me is that I like Tamsin as character, but there are aspects about her that I don't. And that I'm just afraid of where the writing is going. It's tough. It's a tough road ahead for me for now. But as I explained, it's because I am an emotional watcher first and a rational one second. I can't give a rational reason as to why I'm upset by it, I am afraid, to uh, in response to that email. If I did, then I would be a more sane person <laughs> and a more sane watcher. And Cindy asks, who's Bo going to talk to about Tamsin, though? It's a good question. Hopefully not Lauren. Dyson? Dyson? I don't know. That'd be awkward, Dyson. too. Yeah, Would that this be weird? is really the thing. You know, it, without Kenzie, Bo is is kind of up the creek in regards to who's she going to talk to uh, who doesn't want to sleep with her. So that's that's really, so far, you know, the big Kenzie element that's that's been missing in story-wise. Like, obviously, big hole, big Kenzie-sized hole in, in Bo's heart. But story-wise, this is where we've missed Kenzie the most as a as a confessor to Bo, I guess. Trick. I know. Like Trick is really the only last option, but and he did talk to her about awkward. orgasms, so maybe he'd be up for it. <laughs> maybe. It'd be kinda awkward. But he got out of that conversation as he fast could. as he could. <laughs> maybe Crystal will come back. <laughs> I think I see that registering on my 
audio. It's so loud. Haha, <laughs> I'm kidding. So let's move on to sort of the last little section of this episode, which involved Mark. As I phrased it in my notes, ugh, Mark. I personally did not care for the storyline at all. So what what did you think about it, Annie? Okay, after seeing Mark in this episode, I, I have been listening to the last few episodes uh, of Drinks of the Doll, and I remember saying, oh, okay, he's okay, I'll just wait and see. I've done a complete 180, from my opinion, from last week's episode. I thought so much screen time was wasted on Mark that he is totally annoying and disrespectful to everyone. And a lot of adjectives I can use, like arrogant and selfish and ignorant, and just, I know they're writing it so that it's, oh, it's the uppity teenager, and, you know, we're going to make a point of how he'll change, and maybe Dyson will train him, and he'll play a really important plot point in learning how to shift, and Dyson's relationship as a father and son, and giving Dyson a storyline. But I don't think it does the story any service when... I don't think I've talked to anybody who, or I've heard anybody who likes this storyline. You know, it's just not working for me with the way it's written. I agree with your assessment. I, uh, I, I just kind of, I keep having these moments where I'm kind of like, why couldn't they off screen this part? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I find it really questionable that that's the part that we had to, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I question the creative decisions that regarding Mark. Yeah, and the whole point was, oh, someone stole Trick's ledger. There could have been a more creative way or a more efficient way of writing that scene than showing a whole little mini Dyson orgy, you know? And it was just, ugh. Yeah, then, it was... And then to hear Mark bragging about it later, I'm all, oh god, ew. It was gross. Yeah. It, it was, was super just, gross. It made me shudder. And boring. Did every I was really bored during that scene. I was just creeped out because Iris, who's the African-American woman, she's just like, can I watch you? And I'm all, ew, you're watching him get a blowjob? That's just creepy. Well, and then later you have that whole long scene where she's like, look at what I can do. I can create rainbows. Who cares? You don't care that she can create rainbows? <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, in a unicorn, <laughs> yay, yay, unicorns and rainbows way. But why are we wasting screen time on showing this whole scene? And, and then ex this whole extended fight... I kept thinking and hoping that Vex would use his powers and hit Mark instead of the other guy. I thought that's what he was going to do. I thought that's what that it looked like. That would have been like. so much more incredible. It would have. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's just, uh, I really, I can't believe Dyson restrained himself and didn't wolf out and just slap Mark or something because of the lines he had. Oh, who are you? The boss or the bitch? And yes, that is a quote, Stephanie. And just the way... You know, Luke Billick. I wanted to smack, wanted that, to kid smack that. that kid when he said that. Oh my gosh. And I am oh not God, a violent everybody. person. But Mark is supremely punchable. Like, just supremely yes. punchable. And then he later refers to Dyson, who we all love, you know, as an opinionated jerk who think life's only about serving other people. And I'm like, can you try, writers, to make us any, can you try any harder for us to make, make us, the audience, not like this character? I just, as you say, Chris, I'm really questioning the direction they're going with this my big question is why are we having to sit through that scene and and like why did they had to show us that and like why couldn't they off screen that part mm -hmm. you know mark's part <laughs> not all of it necessarily but it, it seemed like there was an awful lot of it that we didn't need really to see? need to no. see and then we could have put in a conversation between Bo and lauren and i would have been a little happier 
frackboned anybody. Bow anybody yeah. Really, yeah, because they they are just they're using Mark in the in the way that I did not want them to use him. I want them to use Mark to give Dyson a storyline. Instead, they're giving Mark a storyline. No, I don't care. We don't care. This is the last season. Give us our time with our main characters. I don't give a crap yeah. about this kid. If you want us to learn more about Mark, do it through him interacting with Dyson. Don't give us this whole yes. little subplot with Mark getting a blowjob and getting it on with two women. I don't no. give a crap. I really don't. That don't was kind of strong. But there we go. <laughs> I, it just, it, and it yeah, seems it's like, like they might be leading into this being part of the storyline with Dyson, right? Like, yeah. Mark is so out of control and such a punk that Dyson has to whip him into shape. But they could have done it differently, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, it's way overplayed. And I agree with you, Stephanie. It's exactly what I didn't want no. to happen in Season 5. That new characters would be brought in that would take away from the existing characters. I mean, Dyson barely has any scenes in this episode. He, he could have had more of a scene with Mark, and, you know, we see him breaking up the fight and then learn about something in that. Instead of having Mark tell a 20-line joke during the fight, then pushing Lauren into the cake. Ugh. So much. My Grey Bell says, genre does not do kids well. No. And, and like <laughs> I said, I do not want moody teenager crap on my show. And what am I getting in this episode? Moody teenager crap. And I, and I thought it was odd that suddenly Mark was working at the doll. If he was, you know, as angry at Dyson as he said he would, why didn't he just leave? I wish that they had had him leave and then come back or something like that. I just, I, ugh. And I thought that Vex in the storyline was really wasted. I usually get kind of excited yeah. when I see that Paul Amos is going to be in an episode, and then they just didn't really do anything good with him, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I, and I, and I recognize in the scene between Dyson and Mark that he's, Dyson's being overbearing. He's being an overbearing father. He's being Dyson, is really what he's, what he's being. And, I don't care. I was like, yes, Dyson. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you tell that little punk what's what. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe they're doing this as an excuse for Dyson to do that. But still, like, why do we have to see it? Yeah. There's so much yeah. of it. I was like, I hope when you shift for the first time, you little punk, I hope it hurts because he needs something to slap him upside the head to go, oh, now I need to take some responsibility in my life for what I am, for being a fae or whatnot. You know, and I get the feeling that scene's coming, but, uh, yeah, as you say, moody teenager crap. The lines written for him, I just wanted to smack him so hard. Well, and, and that line he has about, like, you know, Dyson's this, this jerkity jerk jerk who only, you know, thinks thinks life is about serving other people. Clearly, he's such a jerk. He wants to serve other people. Oh, my gosh. What a terrible human being. Like Exactly. <laughs> well, that's that what I'm a, saying. They're that was deliberately trying to make us hate him, right? I, I, yeah. They almost have to I, be. Well, no, I think we're definitely supposed to dislike him, for sure. But at the same time, like, I don't know that you want me to dislike him this much. I, I think maybe you overshot a little bit. <laughs> just just right. a bit. I mean, anytime a show, like a, a long-running show, introduces a new character, there's automatic pushback against the new character. Right. There almost always right. is. So are they leaning into it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, I don't it's either. like, let's lean into the existing hate. We'll just lean into it. <laughs> just make him awful. And he is. He is awful. <laughs> In my opinion. There might be some people out there who like Mark. I apologize, but I, uh, I don't care for him at all. I don't know if I've seen anybody who does. And I don't understand. Yeah, I just don't understand the choices that they're making with this storyline. The choice? Oh, why'd my voice just crack? <laughs>
Because as we've mentioned before, the thing about the show is we're all super attached to the existing characters. That's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. So then it's like, here's here's another one. Because, I mean, I guess, to be fair, they did, you know, they've essentially uh, sidelined a couple characters, killed off one, and sidelined another recently, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I know there are other Yeah, it's before, like you but- took away Hale, and you took away Kenzie, and we get this guy? This guy? Really? I actually kept having the thought, like, because he did a couple things that were kind of Kenzie-ish, and so I'm watching the thing, and I'm thinking, you know... If it had been Kenzie doing this, I would have been okay with it. But because it's Mark, it's I'm really, really irritated. And I just hate this guy. Because, <laughs> like, the, the drum yeah. playing at the doll, like, I can yeah. see Kenzie doing that. But if Kenzie did it, it would be charming. Yeah. With Mark doing it, I just want to slap him. I will say <laughs> that when he was on the drum set, I had a moment of, like, okay, may- maybe they're going to actually make me like him better in this episode. No, no. No, 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 no. But I, I did actually find when he sat at the drum set and he was talking to himself, I, I did find that to be somewhat redeeming of the character. I still thought he was an idiot thinking that Trick wouldn't notice that he was playing the drums in the side of the room instead of working. But <laughs> but it did, I don't know, soften the character a little bit for me. But then he was just awful and for even worse. For about 0.02 exactly. seconds. For about 0.02 seconds. And then he was awful again in my to me. Well, how much of an idiot can you be to like turn a page and not be careful and rip out the ledger? And I'm like, Oh, you're I know. I will say, oh god, s- slight slight continuity error for me in regards to the book because when Bo signed it, sh- he was asking for her parents' names, and when she didn't know them, I think he says something to the effect of, "Well, we we, we won't worry about that." And it didn't look like mm. anybody in that book had written their parents' names next to their own. It just looked like ah, signatures of people who had come through. Mm-hmm. Well, and Samuel says. Vex and the Mark Dyson storyline seem to foreshadow something. Fearing redemption storyline for Vex? Question mark. Jay has a theory that Vex will try to convince Mark to join the dark. Hmm. Mm, that's cool. I'm curious, though. I don't, right. I don't have a good sense of how aligned Vex is with the dark anymore. He seems a little lost out in the ether because he was not on good terms with them last season. Yeah. Right. But I- Plus the whole choosing a side thing is apparently sort of uh getting murkier yes it seems less significant it. since trick was related to the storyline i will say i'm really bummed that they haven't been using trick more this season so far yeah that's weird because trick has yet to have a really significant plot he's pretty much been there you know he did some exposition in the in the premiere and he's had just a moment here or there but he's yet to have a really significant role in the plot line so far i want alexander's finger to have a good plot point just because it's so random yeah that, i feel like the only point the only reason they included that was to make the give me a finger joke i i doubt it's actually going to become significant but yeah. i could be wrong yeah just because it's so gross i'm like please let it mean something so any other any other stray thoughts about the episode do we have any commentary on clothes since we had so much last week <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if any of you guys like the red, you know, that Bo was wearing when she went on her date with Horatio. I like that. I thought it was okay. I appreciated the fact that her, her jacket kind of looked like it was a velvet, so it sort of matched her new fur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. None of them particularly stood out to me this episode. Like, I'm struggling to remember what people wore. Yeah, not really. Everybody looked good, I guess, but none of them particularly stood out to me. Okay, so here's my straight thought. Okay. Oh, when Bo and Tamsin are in Cassie's apartment... Mm-hmm. 
and they see the horrible, horrible mess and the blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that Tamsin went immediately into cop mode. Me too. Mode. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I like that too. Because I feel like very often watching TV shows, the people who are cops on TV shows don't always immediately go into cop mode. <laughs> and it drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Tamsin, for, for going about it as a cop would. Because uh, And I love how um, you still see the differences between Tamsin and Bo when she's like, let me kick the door down. She's like, wait, let's try the doorknob first. Yes, so Bo, even though she doesn't have quite as much finesse as, say, Lauren, has more finesse than Tamsin. So yeah, I did like that they delineated the different approaches those two characters would take. And I like that Tamsin still remembers that she's a cop, and the cop thing is coming up more after forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this mm-hmm. is. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. You can tell us over in the comments at drinksatthedoll.com slash 87. You can also send us an email like Jenny did. Thank you, Jenny. By emailing feedback at drinksatthedoll.com. Or you can send us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of our website. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks at the Doll. My name is Stephanie. I'm hanging on with my ship. As one Twitter I read said, uh, in a lifeboat with my life jacket on, waving a flare. But I'll still be there. Okay, I'm Annie. I am wearing a cat hat, and my name is Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.